talking strictly Dragon Ball Z? Yeah, let's go strict DBC. So major villains, Frieza, Cell, and Boo? Yeah, but there are other villains in there too. Captain Ginyu. Oh yeah, that's true. In terms of the villain himself, I think Frieza still takes it. Really? Yeah. How come? He was the one who had like an actual motivation that made sense. What was that again? It was like to conquer the galaxy, whereas Cell was just like, he just wants to absorb people. That's it. What he about just wanted Boo? to kill people. Boo was just Boo, Boo didn't really, yeah, he didn't really have a purpose. He was just like a killing machine. How did Boo arise again? He was a, an entity that existed on Earth and then was sealed away and then came back. See, just, I just, I want to know what they were thinking when they got to that. His creation or just Well, like, just the entire conception of Boo, right? Three stages, just like Cell. It's always three stages. But it, but just the stages were weird. It was like, it was Majin Buu's really fat. Super And then Boo. became Super Buu, which is like a real villain. And then the, the pinnacle of all of it was Kid Buu. Super Buu, you would think, would be the ultimate form because he was the, the tall, ripped one that was intelligent. Yeah, I don't know why Kid Buu was like any more... Is it like a chaotic sort of thing? Yeah, maybe they were trying to go to the whole opposite of a child's innocence, but decided to roll with like a child's inability to suppress their emotions and desires. Bro, I love good analysis, <laughs> and I wish <laughs> fucking that that Dragon Ball Z but of all I was things. I going to say, I don't know if the writers really had any intention. I thought they were just thinking, okay, three stages. Not at all. Definitely. Pink thing, pink thing go, <laughs> it's round, now it's tall. Next logical step is either round and tall or short, you know? So the basis for Boo was essentially a piece of bubblegum and Kirby. You could be reading that and I and I would believe you. I actually don't know. I think Majin Boo might have loosely been based off of Kirby because like a pink thing round that eats yeah, yeah that eats, eats other things. Everything that's true. I always forget that the original Majin Boo form that ate a lot of shit was eating a lot of shit. Right. Right. Although being death by chocolate, original concept, got to give it that one to him. So did it turn into chocolate and he would eat the people? Yeah, that, yeah. That's the thing he, he zapped him right? with his like head yeah. antenna and so then it, turned him into when chocolate. When he turns into Super Boo, does he also turn them into chocolate and eat them then? Or does that change as well? I don't think he did. See, there was I don't some... remember because there was a part when he absorbed Piccolo and Gohan and Gotenks. And then Goku and Vegeta fused to fight him. Were they Gogeta at that point or Vegeta? Or Vegeta was with the Potara earrings. Wow, we sound like a bunch of DBZ nerds. I, I mean, we were. I, we, we were. were. We played yeah. the games. Dragon Ball Z Budokai. And then they went in Budokai s- two, Budokai three, Tenkaichi. I think he did eat them, but I don't think I don't remember if they turned into chocolate or not. Because remember, after they got eaten, they were separated inside his body again. So that I was going to mention that as being an incredibly weird thing to see. They were inside Majin Buu, Super Buu, right? Yeah. When that all happened. And, and so for whatever reason, and it's probably good reason, whenever I think about that one point in DBZ, I also think about that episode of SpongeBob where they're in SpongeBob when he's got the Wumbo belt and they're like chopping shit off in his, in his body. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? I immediately think of that. These were all just early attempts to get children into Vor. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think about it. Fucking nasty. God damn. Wait, so yeah, so when Vegeta and Goku did the uh, fusion dance. That's Gogeta. That's Gogeta. Fusion right? dance that is was Gogeta. Weird as hell, right? The earrings are Vegito. 
Yeah. Like, Gogeta was weird, wasn't it? It was kind of skinny and fucked up. Right? No, that was if they failed the fusion dance. Oh. But they never messed it up. The ones who fucked it up were Gotenks, Gohan and... That's right. That's or right. Goten and Trunks. Oh, Gogeta's pretty slick. Wow. He's fucking scary. He still loses, right? Gotenks took, like, three tries to transform properly. That's he had the right. fat one and then the really skinny one. I didn't realize Gotenks went Super Saiyan 3. Yeah, that was the big shocker because he skipped Super Saiyan 2 and went straight to 3. So it really is just that. With, with Saiyans, it's more just about hair, right? Yes, because Super Saiyan 3, they lose their eyebrows and become Whoopi right. Goldberg. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, wait, hold on. That is a, that is a very sly Cheez-It sneak I see there. I'm trying not to... Crunch let it for pick everyone? Up on the thing. You're trying not to... You don't want everyone to have like a... There you go. Here is... Oh, well, Ruffle the bag a little bit, please. Here is Cheez-It's... Unboxing and eating ASMR. Can you whisper a little bit now? My mouth is full. <laughs> it's going to fall out of my mouth. Now I have to tag us as NSFW. Anyways, welcome to episode 26 for real this time. Hell fucking yeah. Wait, what, what, did we not have a real 26? No, last time we said it was 26 and it wasn't actually 26. Well, welcome to 27. We were all... <laughs> fuck, now we have to add, <laughs> add plus one to every episode. Yeah, uh, actually, nothing podcast follows the formula n plus one for its uh, podcast. We made a big deal about it last time too. We were like twenty oh, six episode because you know we're twenty six years old now, and then it's not it was true. all it was all farce. Yeah, but now it's true. Now so it's real twenty six. Actually, the episode twenty six this time. Congratulations, us. Congratulations! Congratulations! Shout out to first shout out will be to Big Man Tyrone, <laughs> dude. We should. I would actually pay him money to do like the cameo thing to to do an. How intro much is the us. cameo? I don't know. I should look it up. We can do that one day for please. One of the that would be really good. Mm-hmm. Just like a even fifteen seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were already saying that the topic is guilty pleasures. Yes. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about you know how we understand a guilty pleasure because I think a lot of people I think a guilty pleasure can be something that's kind of taboo that you're not supposed to like. But it's not anything. It's not anything super serious. Mm-hmm. I think a guilty pleasure generally isn't something super serious, but rather is kind of like you get a little embarrassed by it when other people find out that you like it. But you know, but on the inside and secretly, you're more okay with liking it, right? But does guilty pleasure always have to mean that you're embarrassed to like it because of what other people say? I mean. I mean, I don't think so. Like, I think that you can be embarrassed by it for other reasons, too. Like, I mean, it's like if you, uh, if you find something to be just kind of silly or you think something really is stupid, but you can't help but liking it. I think there's a lot of songs that are like that where, okay, okay, okay. where I can't help but think this is the song is stupid as shit and I still like the song. Do you have a song that you think is dumb that See, you enjoy? There's a few. There's a few that I like that are just kind of like, I really shouldn't. <laughs> shouldn't vibe to this song quite as hard as I do. I mean, it's nothing like Baby Shark, right? No. <laughs> that would be more of like... I don't a- know, dude. That was a pretty nervous laugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 
I'm sweating a little bit, but mm. no, my my guilty pleasure. The first one that comes to mind, if I'm being completely honest, this is going to be a really sincere talk too. Okay, go for is, it. Uh, is Tanakh Tanakh. Oh, dude, I love that song. Love too. that song. I don't think that counts as a guilty pleasure because a lot of, of guilty. a lot of people think it's awesome. But, but would you go out and would you tell someone like? Hey, this is like a great song. <laughs> you're like, hey, pass me the so, Oscar. Say you go, say you go like a first, yeah, yeah, you're on a first date with a girl, and she's like, oh, what type of music do you like? That's not going to be on the top of your list. Okay, that's true. <laughs> I guess that's something you only break out when you know everyone else around you also vibes to Tunak Tunak Tun, or when you know that they can handle the aesthetic of Tunak Tunak Tun. Okay, yeah, should we? I feel like shitty 3D green screen. <laughs> yeah, really questionable. Want to make your video. Own, our own Tunak Tunak Tun video? We, could, we should do that. Yes, please. Oh, and for those of you who do not know what it sounds like, here's like one second of it. Okay, good job. <laughs> <laughs> it really is like a blessing on humanity. It was from an age, from a bygone age, where the internet was a little bit more young, where memes were in their like really nascent stages. I don't know. I feel like it's a it's a very special time for the internet when Tunak Tunak was big. Wasn't that also the time when like Numa Numa was big as well? Yeah, that was all the like original meme songs back then. A yeah. lot of them, now that I think about them, were songs that weren't even like English songs. Neither of those two songs are English. That's true. That was when like the the Levan Polka song was also big. That's true. That's not an English song either. Yeah. There's a bunch of meme songs though. Like, I mean, the llama song was big back then. The Here's duck a llama, song. There's a you know which one I did think about a while, like a couple days ago that I hadn't thought of probably since the last time I heard it years ago was, um, do you like waffles? Yeah, we like that's waffles. Right, that's do you right. you like pancakes? Would you consider that sort of like a, uh, a guilty pleasure for you? But also, I think a guilty pleasure also to sort of amend what we were saying before. It's like you like it and it's also something you like currently. Yeah, right? it, yeah, yeah, it can't true. be something that you liked in the past because that's sort of like you were a different person. Right. It's like uh, it's like if you were like if you liked a show back when you were five, and then you look at it now and you're judging it by the same standard by which you watch music, yeah. like you watch like TV nowadays. I wouldn't have said Blues Clues was a guilty pleasure when I was like five years old watching it. Yeah, I right. Didn't know it was a real pleasure. Time. Yeah. And so that kind of affects like you know, it's not like I actively listen to Tanak Tanak every day. <laughs> Or you twice don't? a day. That's my, my alarm three when times I wake up a day. in the morning. Hey, I mean, good for you, man. But I, I guess that kind of precludes it from being a guilty pleasure song. And maybe guilty pleasure also has to pertain to like things that you currently do and things that are also current uh, like memes or current topical things, yeah, right? That's true. So we can narrow down. But I guess if now, like, if that's a thing... Then I, I don't know. I don't really have like a guilty pleasure song or a guilty pleasure artist, I guess because I'm so out of music right now. Yeah, that's true. You also said you're the type of person who you find the type of music that you like to listen to and you kind of just stick to it, right? Yeah. But actually, though, I just thought of it. I think my, my guilty pleasure a little bit is Doja Cat, that one song. Say so? Yeah, just because like I don't really like anything else she's put out. It's all right, but it's like... That song for me is like okay, this is great. This is like a this is a fun song. I listen to it unapologetically by myself. That's kind of like an interesting one though, because it's like a mainstream song made by a mainstream. I guess it's only guilty a guilty pleasure song for you because you're probably not the demographic people usually think of first when they think of that song and the people who listen to it. Yeah, and I also think it's because the groups 
that I normally hang out with probably wouldn't be listening to that all the time. Yeah, that's true. Right? It's like when you've surrounded yourself with musicians your entire life, that's like that's one of those things where the group would be like, oh, you like that song? Like, maybe don't like that it's song. It's too simple. Yeah, something like that. I, I feel like that was a really big part of music school and the music industry was you didn't really want to admit to liking certain things. And so actually, this kind of builds into a, a real... Like, and this really isn't a guilty pleasure in the sense that I'm ashamed of it or embarrassed about it. It's just that I think it's a lot less accepted from the music world and from many people. I think that 80s music is the pinnacle of all music. Like, maybe that's a big claim that I make right now, but I really like 80s music. It's up there, man. I'm telling you, and I think that some of that music is just so much better than what I've heard, like, even in the early 2000s, you know? Or even in the early to mid, like mid 2010s, right? So I, mean, I think that that could be considered one of my guilty pleasures because there'll be times where I'll go through an entire week and I'll just sit and listen to 80s music the entire week. Now, is it 80s music, specifically music that was produced in the 80s, or are we talking like the remix, 80, 80s remixes that we. We 80s remix, to. so it's more of the sound of the 80s remix. Mm. So it's got like that super synth type of sound. It's got, it's, it's kind of dancey. It's really fun. It's, it's a little cheesy, that type of stuff. And I think it's the cheesiness that makes it a guilty, guilty pleasure, you know? It's, it's something that I don't immediately admit to all the time. It's a little bit corny. Yeah. Get you. Something that's interesting about that, though, really quick, is just, I guess this kind of rolls into the fact that nowadays it's easier for people to make things and also build communities around it just because, you know, yeah. distributing things through the internet is super easy. And I guess on some level you can consider it less of a guilty pleasure because it's easier to find that community that also likes it. And if you're, you know, around that community a lot, then you're like, okay, whatever. There's a whole bunch of people that also like this thing that I like. So it's not so weird to like it anymore because there's other people actively tuned into the same thing that you're listening to. And actually, I was going to say on that exact point that we've kind of moved into a time of really widespread acceptance of all the shit that you like to do. Right. And so guilty pleasure almost doesn't really fit any sort of broad or broad definition because where you like something, there will always be a, uh, a community that backs you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if Reddit is any example of that there is a subreddit for everything, that there is a community for any sort of stupid or weird hobby, then it kind of shows you that a guilty pleasure like doesn't really fall under the same, I guess, judgment as people don't really approve of it. But that also supports what I was saying before with like, there can be guilty pleasures when it comes to certain communities and certain, like the music community might not shine so brightly on certain types of music, Mm. especially where popular consensus is concerned. Like the the broader version of that community before you get into like the niche stuff, right? Yeah, or even like with classical music, like with some sort of classical musicians and some sects of classical music, it might be like, you don't really want to say that you like a certain composer, like because it might be a little bit of a, you know, it might show you as more simplistic or more like, not given towards some other types of music. Right. Right. And so I think that's a really interesting psychological dynamic because at this at the time or at a time when we're in a place with so many different communities and so many different types of acceptance of likes and dislikes, there's also a sense of, you know, a, a shame like of shame of liking certain things that aren't new or aren't pushing into new ways, right? Yeah. And so I, I think that's a fun little like thing to think about there. Uh, because while my like for 80s music might 
be accepted by the 80s music community. If I dial back into maybe specific portions of the music, classical music industry, it's probably a guilty pleasure. And I think that's where for me it comes up because I've always been part of the classical music community, you know, by and large. And for them, there's, I haven't really met too many classical musicians who are big on 80s music or who will listen to it a little unapologetically mm -hmm. like I will. And so that's where that conception really comes from. That's true. Until you like get them to open up to you and maybe slowly convert them into somebody who's more accepting of that. Yeah, or just be or just be completely unapologetic about it and say, "No, I like this stuff." You know, like yeah. right? And so sometimes I have the uh, audacity or I have the confidence to really just be like, "Yeah, this is me." You know, like and this is what I want. But if, you know, in certain circumstances you read the room and it's kind of like, "Yeah, maybe I'll just keep this to myself a little bit." Right, yeah. You're Which not it, you're not going to like audition for something with like a totally out of the left yeah. piece that doesn't at all like relate to what you're trying to audition for, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I'm not saying also that the classical music community is like, you know, not tolerant of specific things. There's definitely like different people within each community that like certain things. Yeah, yeah. But like that was something that I felt when it comes to music, like you had to like specific things and there was consensus, popular consensus about liking certain things uh, and and specific feelings about whether or not you did or didn't. Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of something that I've experienced. But like, so for you, would you consider after we've talked about uh, talked about all of this, any specific music or style to be songs? like a song or a type of song or a genre? Yeah, to be complete like a guilty pleasure. Um, I don't know if it's like this is going back to the whole like it's so much easier to be accepted by a community who also likes it, but even this stuff in general is just becoming less niche, uh, like video game music for mm -hmm. me specifically. As we've already said before, video games in the past have kind of been like stereotyped as like a nerd thing. Yeah. But nowadays, like fucking everybody likes video games and now it's like much more easily accepted. So video game music before you wouldn't, like most people probably wouldn't be caught dead blasting it on their car. But like for me, I do because it's like just another genre of music that I like. Um, same thing goes for like anime music or like J-Rock. Like I know a lot of like K-pop people before would be seen as kind of weird, but I mean, mm. look at uh, who, what's the the group BTS, right? Like, yeah, they're I think they're like the number one music group in the world, like sheer be. sheer numbers of listeners. And K-pop fans are like they're a whole whole like gigantic fucking group. If you, yeah, have yeah. you have you ever seen their stuff on Twitter? Like how insane they go. I'm like. Uh, I'm not throwing UK pop fans under the bus, except for maybe like the crazy ones who will like brigade other people and stuff, which is wild. Don't do that. But um, dude, yeah, I guess that just goes for any kind of crazy fan people. Fanaticism like knows no bounds. Yeah, yeah, you for know? sure. But yeah, I mean like listening to non-English lyric music nowadays is probably like much more acceptable because by and large, the global community is much more connected and it's easier to share that stuff across language barriers or different locales. And now people are like, yeah, that's fine. So yeah, I guess like music and anime videos just because uh, our, our music and anime videos, <laughs> anime and video game music. There you go. Uh, just because, you know, that's like tangential to what I already like. And before 
I would have also probably been like, yeah, not not so much. But like you said, nowadays I have the audacity audacity to just be like, yeah, who who cares? I, right. It's something that I like. And if you don't, then like, fine. Then you get your own damn ox cord and play your music. So right. And I fine. think that's I think that really comments on a lot of things that were maybe frowned upon earlier. So I think where this shines a light to me most obviously is the comic book community, and especially where it comes to the MCU yeah. and to DC, like. That's I remember huge. hearing an interview from some guy on the street. They were it was like a YouTube channel doing it. And someone had said like with with the MCU and with all these movies coming out, it's really interesting because what used to be kind of designated as a nerd quote unquote sort of thing, reading comic books after school or graphic novels, now it became so widespread and people and lots of different people have liked it, bringing it to the forefront of you know, movie movie topics and movie subjects, it stopped really becoming a guilty pleasure and more of just like a norm, right? Yeah. And so that's a really cool part about the interconnectedness of all things because I guess people are now looking at all of these old hobbies and all of these old preferences and saying like, no, I actually like this too. Right. And, and the stereotype surrounding this actually wasn't real because lots of people from different groups, not just quote-unquote nerds, were really big on comic books. Right, right, Or really big on manga. Or really big on even anime. I think anime, to a certain extent, still is kind of a guilty pleasure in that, like, there's a stereotype around the type of person who watches anime. Right. Right? Uh, And so... I think for me, this really points to the sense that guilty pleasures, as we understand them, are a bit relative, especially when your reference point is a specific group or a specific community. Like you can imagine that within the woodworking community, specific things are probably guilty pleasures. <gasps> he works right? with stone. I'm <gasps> saying, yeah, like, you know, whoa, what a he, does, he likes to do this type <laughs> of cut. Whoa. You know, and so those types of things might be more guilty pleasures in certain respects. But I think at the heart of guilty pleasures is the sense of like, you're being a little countercultural with your preferences, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're going against the, like the general consensus in what you like. And so in any sense, like, because there aren't really any more like really big outstanding guilty pleasures, it's kind of like you have smaller guilty pleasures baked into every different community, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So like in this sense, like there's a lot of different, there's a lot of little guilty pleasures that you can say you have within each community, right? So, and it really depends on what the community likes and what, you know, you generally agree with. It's like a guilty pleasure for someone in the Percy Jackson universe would be, I vibe with the Percy Jackson movies. And that's something that you'd be embarrassed to say because the movies were bad and because (laughs) nobody likes the movies. It's sort of like you're pushing these things through a filter over and over and over again until it stops becoming a guilty pleasure. And Maybe. it's kind of like, at what point do you have to get so niche that it becomes a guilty pleasure? Yeah, right. right? But I mean, plenty there, like with the proliferation of such communities and all of these different interests, it's like, yeah, naturally you're going to find yourself in such a niche place yeah. that you like certain things. Like, I think this could also become the same type of conversation about things that the general like population in a certain community likes that you also don't like. Mm-hmm. So it's like a guilty pleasure and a guilty displeasure in some senses, right? You mean like, oh, everybody likes this thing, but yeah. I don't. Right. And and unironically too, right? Not like just yeah. to be a contrarian. Yeah, it's just like, I don't like it. Okay. It's like, uh, for me, the biggest one is like, lots of people in the watch community really like the, the, the Nautilus. Oh, yeah. And I just really Not don't find it an attractive thing. But I, I'm not going to go out and say that. 
Like, I'm not going to go out and say like, yeah, you like that? That sucks. Like, it sucks. And you shouldn't like it, right? Generally, I think when it's the opposite, when you're disliking something, yeah, we're probably on the better end of that because, or hopefully most people are too, because instead of flaunting their dislike for that, you should be adopting the idea of like, just let people like what they like and you don't have to speak. Of course, there's going to be those assholes that are like, yeah. oh, you don't like this? Let me tell you why you're wrong. Yeah, My opinion's right and yours is shit. Yeah. So listen to me <laughs> and give me upvotes, yeah. dickhead. Welcome to Reddit. Right. Now, this is interesting too because we immediately jumped into guilty pleasures when it came to music taste. Okay. That was like our first thing. And, and like we said, a lot of it is really based on your reference point community. Mm-hmm. Now, I think where the guilty pleasure conversation gets really simple, though, is when it comes to food. And I think that might be its original intention. I mean, how many times have you had someone say, like, oh, this food is my guilty pleasure? And I think that makes a little bit more sense, and in, in it's, it's really uh, on its face in the sense that it's guilty because you don't feel good about yourself eating something. That's true. It's a different kind of guilt. Right. It's a different guilty pleasure in the sense that you're kind of allowing yourself a, a misstep in eating something like that. Like a, like a guilty pleasure can be like, I eat this only occasionally, but because I think I deserve it for doing something difficult right. or having a challenging day, right? So that one adopts a different definition, but I feel like that's also harder to be specific about because it's not, it's like a broader net. Yeah. Um, whereas with the music thing, we can pinpoint a specific subsection of music. But if yeah. we're talking guilty pleasures with food, it's it's hard to have somebody be like, or to have a large group of people rather say, you like, I don't know, onions? Shame on you. That's awful, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's more like everyone's kind of the idea of saying, oh, you're you're having a cheat day, but like seven days of the week? <laughs> now that that's when guilty pleasure food like starts to come into it. Yeah, I suppose so. And like, I don't know, the only thing I can think of with guilty pleasure food would be like junk food, right? Yeah. Well, junk food, but then also, I think there could also be other things too, because it's, it depends a lot less on the reference point, because it's more about just food that you're really not supposed to have, and that can be lots of different <laughs> like, things. I like to eat batteries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, the electronics I, community I am, really I, looks I down really on that like one. that one. I really like eating cardboard boxes oh. and the, you know, the recycling Environmentalists. I'm telling you, they hate that. Uh, Environmentalists hate him. Use <laughs> okay, this one Buzz trick. <laughs> yeah, what, do you, how, what are the chances BuzzFeed is just going through our episodes and be like, write that down, write that write down. Write that down, get it, get it, get it, get it. If any of you guys take a quiz and have to face consequences from answering the questions that we're posing now, let us know and we'll DMCA BuzzFeed. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have just the gall to do that. Send, send BuzzFeed a DMCA, like this huge <laughs> fucking big business thing. Was there anything, though, with food that you could think of specifically? Like- for guilty pleasures? Oh, of course. I, I think for me, like, guilty pleasures on the, on the large scale, for me, is sweets. Because okay. that's just one of those things where, like, I know I'm not supposed to have a lot of sweets. But processed sugar just gets me, man. Like, me and processed sugar are, like, close. Joined at the hip, and that hip is joined with fat. <laughs> <laughs> Your your joint hip is getting a lot bigger the more that relationship goes on, dude. <laughs> there's a, there's many instances where I consider maybe replacing it. Mm. But so I really like sweets. And for me, I have to kind of designate it because I think of it as a guilty pleasure. I have to go into a certain day and be like, 
you know what? Today I'm going to do it. Today I'm going to have that. <laughs> I'm going to have that uh, that carrot cake Oreo. Or I'm going to have this fucking crazy ass Oreo. Don't do it. Don't fucking do it. You have like people pointing guns at you. They're That's like, don't. The, well, it's, it's the Spider-Man meme. It's me, the Spider-Man meme. It's me pointing at me saying, hey, <laughs> don't you dare. But so I kind of think of it like that. And it's, it, you know, even drinking is kind of like that too. It's a guilty pleasure in the yeah. sense that I, I shouldn't be doing it all the time. And I, and I like doing it. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I like buying nice whiskey and having whiskey and like, and, and what's interesting about this is that when it comes to these sorts of things, it's a lot less based on the reference point as it is um, on your social situation. So like we were, we were talking about this earlier, but so I don't really drink very much except socially. Same. And when I'm with people, I'll drink. And, and for me, it's more of a bonding thing. It's like the, it's communion, right? You're coming together, you're having food together. There's very like profound sorts of agreements and community with eating together. Right. And so you kind of celebrate that with eating, uh, with eating together. And I think that drinking falls under that same like idea. So I don't really feel so bad, like kind of picking out when I'm with people and you know, people will listen and say, of course it's fucking like normal human behavior. But I think in a lot of instances, like for people who also heavily think about their intake, I think a lot about my intake and I think a lot of, I, I kind of obsess over like every little thing and it's kind of like, you know, it's okay to do that and you kind of get used to it. But in that sense, it definitely is a guilty pleasure. Sweets of any kind for me are, are guilty pleasure, especially like cake. Mm. I was making cake like every week over over pandemic last summer. Like I would say to my sister, like, hey, let's make a cake. And we would make a whole fucking cake. And you know what the big problem with making a cake was? Is that after you made it, and especially so and this is especially relevant during a pandemic, who's gonna eat your goddamn cake? Right? True. It's you. You're gonna eat the cake. And if you're making one every day of the week, or every not day of the week, every week. It's a lot week, of cake. It's a lot of cake. So, so that cake boy. Yeah, right? So I was getting <laughs> cakey. I was really liking it. But so, and, and it's also just kind of a fun expression thing, right? You get to do something with your hands. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's all sweets and sweets and ice cream and cake and all this shit. That'll be my guilty pleasure till I die. And I'm, and you know, I'm not really ashamed of it as much as it's something you manage. Right, right. right? So on the same topic, if you had to pick like a singular sweets. food or a group of food, that you use as your cheat or you use as your guilty pleasure, what is that? Actually, for me, it's less of the what type of food I'm eating and more the volume. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, <laughs> like That's a perfect answer. Like similar <laughs> similarly to you, like I try to keep track of what I, I'm eating. Yeah. And you know, I like to make sure that I'm healthy. And I'll have snacks throughout the day. Like for me, most of my concern about eating is like calorie counting. Yeah. Um, making sure I'm underneath like a certain threshold. So I have like a lot of snacks. Sometimes I'll eat snacks to to hit that calorie count. But not always are the, the snacks I eat necessarily healthy. Like sometimes I'll have like Greek yogurt, but then I also put in a bunch of gummy bears inside of it to <laughs> offset that. Now in my head, making sure that e- even if I have that snack... <laughs> It's it's like not not the healthiest thing anymore because of the <laughs> right, the, the gummy, really. the gummy bears are completely canceling out <laughs> any gains from the the Greek yogurt. Yeah. But because I'm not eating that much of it, I don't feel that bad, right? Oh. But if I ate like half the container of the Greek yogurt and the gummy bears in one sitting, then I would feel bad about it. Do you feel do you feel the opposite effect 
sometimes I get the opposite effect where it's like, you know, because you were saying like the gummy bears make the Greek yogurt not healthy at all. Sometimes I'll be like, hey, I'm having Greek yogurt at least. (laughs) I put the gummy bears in here. It's a glass half full type situation. Now it's healthy gummy bears. See, maybe if I adopt that mindset, I'll feel less guilty about See, it and it'll be you gotta better. Lo- and so you got to love yourself here. Right, right, right. And that's kind of this, that's at the core of all of this. Guilty pleasures don't really exist because <laughs> of all the, like, you got to love yourself sort yeah. of thing. We, we, we preach so much about self-care that we should just be like, <laughs> you know what, fuck all this negativity. If guilty pleasures, schmilty pleasures, just go ahead and do it, dude. I, I was thinking about this when you were saying that you put gummy bears in your yogurt. <laughs> I fucking have never heard of that. It's but so good. It's I, so I, I don't doubt it. But what I'm saying, what I'm thinking is like, how much of that is just like a like an attempt at making a healthy McFlurry? Right? I don't know. Right? If you freeze it, dude, try this. You should freeze your freeze yogurt. The, freeze the yogurt. Put the gummy pan. bears in there. Seal it up all nice. Put it in the freezer. See if it becomes kind of like, you mm. know. I don't know if like frozen yogurt can be made by just freezing yogurt. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it has to be a specific kind of like. But why? Thing. I we could test it. I could try it. But the thing is, I don't even use just gummy bears. Sometimes I'll change up the kind of candy that I put. <laughs> Not that it, that makes it that much better, but I'll put like Skittles in there sometimes. Have you ever thought of just chocolate. dumping out the, the candy on a table and then put and then topping it with, with yogurt? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Change the, change the method by which you consume them? If I, if I take in the yogurt before I consume the candy, <laughs> I should be getting more healthy <laughs> from it because that's what hits my system first. Think about it this way, too. It's like how people don't like to mix their food on their plate. It's all going to be mixed in the same way anyways. Right, right, right. So, so if you eat all your yogurt first and then you shovel candy in your mouth, <laughs> it's essentially the same thing, right? Yeah, who cares? It's fine. Yeah. The only person who will be complaining about it is probably my dentist, which is, I guess, one of the relative points, too, that I can feel bad about in terms of food. Sometimes it's not always just... Oh, I went over my calorie threshold. Sometimes I'm very conscious of what it would do to my like teeth. Mm, your teethies. Yeah, I don't because mm. I, I always hear from people who are older than us are like, one thing you shouldn't compromise on is your teeth because yeah. later in life, if it gets fucked up, it's really hard to undo. Damn. Or it'll be pricey. Yeah, that's why I floss every day. Mm. Like the dance. What? The the floss dance. I do that every day. I do that concurrently with my actual flossing. Oh wow, you're doing it right now. Yeah, it's insane. Wow, good job. Yeah, what people don't recognize is that when you floss the dance, it's in three. It's not in two. It's not in four. One, two, three. One, two, three. three. Oh, right, right. So that that tripped me up, and then my sister was like, "You got to think about it in three. And I was like, "Oh, it makes sense." Mm. Right. Big big dentistry is making you feel bad about your food choices. (laughs) Fuck them. Have you ever used the water pick thing? I was thinking of buying one. I really want to buy one, and I just haven't done it. Mm. There's nothing stopping me. I could do it. It's just, you know, it's just the commitment sort of thing. Like, what if I use it and I hate it? Mm-hmm. And then I'm out like a, like 80 bucks. But good, good thing about flossing, dentist tip of the day, floss your teeth and brush your tongue because that's where most of your bad breath comes from. You ever use one of those things, like one of those like scraper things? The tongue scraper? Yeah. Uh, I think I did once and it like made me gag, so I didn't like to use it anymore. <laughs> I could believe that. Yeah. I feel like that would be my issue as Apparently, well. Apparently, I have a pretty bad gag reflex, so, you know, what can should you, you do? Is that, should you feel ashamed about that? <laughs> I don't know. It's is not it a guilty pleasure or anything. Big dicks like, are making you feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the industry. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> my dentist was like, oh, what a disappointment. <laughs> but your teeth look so great. Much, it's so much promise. <laughs> oh. Have you ever seen that one meme that's like, uh, like, so when's the last time you, you've lost? And the meme is like, bro, you were there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of true. Like, I'll do the, before I go to the dentist visit, 
you'll do like the floss the day before so <laughs> you feel like you're better about it. You know, you're you're making up for months of not doing it. You go, this this surely one day will help. is just gonna undo all the damage. <laughs> Some people do that. I try not to. I floss like every other day. I fine. I try and do it. That, that's actually that's honestly better than a lot of people. Do you use mouthwash too? Yeah. So the. I feel like this is just because now a self, the dentist. Yeah, this is a podcast. podcast. <laughs> you brush and then you floss and then you mouthwash and then you rinse again. I heard that some people will get more sick because the mouthwash ends up killing all the good bacteria. Really? And then I feel like that's their like immune lie. system. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like that's just that's just a lie put up by high schoolers who don't want to brush their teeth. <laughs> you don't want to. Who will learn a little bit about good bacteria. dental hygiene. But I mean, I feel like that's gut microbiome, right? That's yeah. not mouth microbiome. We should go back to, <laughs> to the topic of. I think that's actual. A, I think that's better. So we we've really worked on our segues because we used to be like trying to segue back from that. There, that was that was going <laughs> off a cliff. There was no coming back from that. I like the honesty. Fine. Let's. There was one, there was one thing I wanted to uh, to which I would like to segue, and it it hinges on guilty pleasures as they apply to activities. In the same way that we understand Don Amigle and um, what's his name Aziz Ansari's character from Parks and Rec, yeah, Tom Haverford, they have their guilty pleasure day every year called Treat Yourself, mm-hmm. right? I think that qualifies under the uh, guilty pleasure sort of thing mm. because it's absolutely a pleasure, but it's guilty in the sense that like food, you're not supposed to be doing that all the time. And for more reasons than, I mean, your health is included, but also just because financially it's really unfeasible. Mm. So I guess not even strictly financial, but what is an activity that for you is guilty? And I can think of like the most obvious for a lot of people is probably sitting and watching TV. Yeah. You know, that's a really easy guilty pleasure. Not the greatest thing for you. You kind of veg out. But also, it's like you kind of need it mentally. Right. I don't know. Because I, I guess like gaming for long periods of time is probably the one thing. But it's less, it's not feeling guilty about gaming because that's like normalized now. Yeah. I guess it's more of the being sedentary. Is it sedentary or sedentary? Sedentary? I don't know. That, that's big dental again. <laughs> back into this. Sedentary for being being immobile for long periods of time because yeah. then you know I'm generally a pretty active person. Yeah, yeah. I try to be health conscious. Yeah, and sometimes I feel like if I'm just sitting on my computer for a long time, I'm totally undoing all the the gain, the massive, massive gains from all the other excruciating and tough workouts that I do. You know that stuff. Each so for day. the listeners, like, do you know that <laughs> there's an episode of SpongeBob where Sandy Cheeks is having is is trying to work out with Spongebob, and she's got the arm cruncher. Mm-hmm. That's what Aaron does every day yeah. of the week. I have anchor arms, but they're real. They're real anchor arms, right? right? And, and so you guys don't really get this either, but we're on a long table. It's about, you know, what's it, eight feet tall, eight feet in length. Aaron takes up the entire side of it mm-hmm. at this point. A wide boy. He's really wide. So, I mean, we're talking with a health guy. Here. Yeah, but that's pretty much, yeah, that's, that's it. I don't think I would say I have any, like, Aaron's that, guy, Aaron's that guy who buys the double monitor, not because he needs <laughs> I'm cool. to see two. It's just because he's got so much wideness. <laughs> my, I'm so wide, my eyes have to have two separate monitors because my <laughs> skull's so damn big. <laughs> he, has, he, has a, he has a special VR helmet to fit around his massive head. Brain blast. Uh, what, about, what about you? Do you have like... Okay, here, wait, here's something that I might be able to bring up for you. When we were talking about sweets and... Okay. 
our the food thing. Okay. Um, you're a well-known baker. Yeah. In the baking community. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. In the ba- but you, but you in like to bake. You like to bake, right? Yeah. And generally, I don't know about now, but a lot of people would generally say that that's like a feminine thing to do. I don't know that. I, I heard kind of that's like a girly thing to do. I guess. Have you ever I felt suppose. that way about baking? I guess. I don't know. I've always felt that like. Maybe when I was younger, I kind of thought of it like that, but I think that's kind of just hard baked into like gender roles and like yeah. that women women cook more than men do. But I but in growing up in a house where my dad did a lot of the cooking because, you know, he liked to do it and and things like that, I kind of like decentralized that entire idea. And for me baking was like baking was just fun more because I could express myself with it. Like one thing that I really like about food and cooking and procuring food is just because is the fact that I can kind of mess around with certain things and get different results. All right. And so for me, I guess, you know, to tie it back, baking kind of is a guilty pleasure because, uh, you know, it takes up time and it takes up energy and it takes up resources to do this small little thing and make this little thing. Um, but I like it because of its expressivity and because I can go in there and like, you know, if I wanted to do something, I have the ability and the know-how to be like, instead of this, I want this in here. For instance, I made a, um, I, on a whim one day, I was like, you know what? I want to make something with fruity pebbles. And so I made, a, I made a cookie, I filled it with marshmallow fluff, and then I coated it in fruity pebbles. Mm. And like I baked that, and that shit was really good. Sounds good. Yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome cookie. And, and so it's just kind of things like that where I don't really see baking as having any specific role or even cooking for that matter. And I think that especially there have been lots of media, like media that, tell, that shows us that it can be both ways, you know, because like on, a, on the Food Network, which I watched a lot as a kid, there was plenty of like male cooks and female cooks and male bakers and female bakers. And so for me watching that, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, of course, like I want to be I want to bake like that. Like, that's really cool, and I want to try all these things out. And so I think probably the the only time I had understood that to be any sort of, like, shifted centrally to, like, women was when I was younger, and I was, like, you know, and I didn't really know about anything, and I wasn't educated, or I had no, like, no real opinion about it at that point. But so nowadays, like, it's not even a conception for me. It's just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to bake today, or, uh, yeah, I'm going to do this, because why not, right? And so... That's kind of like my uh, small time guilty pleasure for a- for an activity, just because, like I said, it takes up time and energy and effort, and, and sometimes it, it doesn't come out the best. I think like there's a there's a point where it's even extra guilty because I'm a very in- I can be really intense sometimes with like projects, and so especially when I'm creating something, if it doesn't go perfectly, I get a little frustrated and it kind of like, it almost ruins the entire like thing for me. Mm. And so that's been kind of something that even doing more baking over the pandemic has kind of allowed me to confront and kind of be like, yo, why are we getting mad about this? This is supposed to be a guilty pleasure, right? This is supposed to be fun and supposed to be something that, you know, I don't do all the time. Right. But yeah, I, so for me, I guess to answer that question, it's, it's really just, there is no central role to who does that anymore. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the conception of that is a kind of like dated one. Yeah, that's true. You know, like that, that kind of same thing for me with volleyball, I guess. Yeah, That's true. Actually. Cause I, I heard before, I don't know. I highly doubt that this is like seen as it is nowadays, but a lot of times in the past you'd hear like from older players, people would be like, Oh, you play volleyball. Isn't that a woman's sport? Really? Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. Appar- apparently that was the thing. Um, like nowadays you don't because you know it's much more widespread. It's all throughout high school and stuff. 
And in a similar vein to the whole baking thing, I guess it's been normalized throughout the gender roles. Yeah. Very much in part because of the people at the top levels of both genders being able to push it further and further. Like with baking, you had, like you said, the shows like uh, Ace of Cakes, yeah. stuff that was wildly popular that yeah. probably got you know people of both sides into it. Yeah. Um, same thing with like for volleyball, the Olympics and all the beach sports and people are like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. And uh, I don't know, people just want to do it all together regardless of gender roles nowadays. Yeah. And, and I mean, the conversation we had about guilty pleasures being centrally tied to like reference points kind of deals with this, right? Where there is really no necessity to it. But one thing that's really helped it become more reference point based in terms of your interests and in terms of what you do, uh, in terms of what you like, it's really been helped by, you know, lots of different types of representation, right? Mm -hmm. And so for instance, it was nice for me to see like um, Ace of Cakes or Cake Boss or something like that in whatever sort of fashion. I just liked watching people make cakes, but the sense that you had different people doing it helps like take away any sort of stereotyping of what an action should or shouldn't be, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's always a really nice thing. I, I think for, I think for volleyball, like you said, the Olympics is such a huge deal, and especially being able to televise the Olympics and making it like a more widespread thing. I don't know, for me growing up, I never really watched the Olympics. Yeah, I didn't really get into it. I know a lot of families who are really into it, but I think the ability just to televise that helps you know, people like you feel a little bit less like insecure about any conception of that, mm-hmm. which exists in some fashion, right? And right. so like, and, and you shouldn't feel that way. You like what you like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think on the opposite side of like, you know, I think baking for me is a good guilty pleasure that I have. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's something that I do. It's kind of therapeutic. It's only guilty in the, in the ways that I said before. The other type of guilty pleasure that I really enjoy is just watching like TV and cinema and consuming that sort of media. Is it the type of media that you're consuming that you would feel guilty about or just the act of watching and spending so much time on it? I think for me... The most like relevant one, or the most tr- like truly guilty pleasure one, is the type, and mm-hmm. it's the fact that I'll watch. You know, I like to watch like Futurama, and that sort of thing is just. I I see that as a guilty pleasure because, for me, it's like it's fun, and for me, it's kind of just silly, and it it doesn't do the same things that other things do. It's like for me, baking is a therapeutic sort of thing. It helps me express myself, but watching Futurama doesn't really help me do much except like sit and veg for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And and I guess what's interesting about nowadays is you kind of recognize that sometimes you really need to just sit and veg just a little bit, yeah. right? Like if you do too much all at once, you really burn. And actually I was talking about this with like my mom the other day and I was saying that one thing that like you learn when you're when you're getting into your career is like you feel like you have to be doing things like start this like you start eight to 10 and then 10 something else and then 12 to two and then two to four, you have consistent back-to-back things. And what I recognized when I was doing that was that every time I would schedule things like that, my entire day would be based around anxiety. And I'd be so anxious because I wouldn't have time to like process all the things I had to do. Mm -hmm. And so nowadays, you know, I keep a good schedule, but I also schedule in that specific time for things, right? Like, so for instance, before going to work, or even when I get to work, I'll, I'll get there just 20, 30 minutes really. And that's so that I can sit there and just so that I can mentally prepare for the effort ahead, right? And, and so 
as it applies to Futurama, it's the same sort of thing where if I don't schedule myself or at least allow myself that opportunity to be a little bit more compassionate with, with my day and with my efforts, then there's you know, a propensity to become really anxious because I'm being overly strict with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so I want to point this out as a sort of point of intersection between you know, guilty pleasure, but also like kind of positive. You know, like it's it's a guilty pleasure, but for a good reason that isn't for practical purposes, right? Right? Like every guilty pleasure is guilty in a sense because you feel like it's sh- you shouldn't be doing it, or you feel like it's not the best use of your time, or you feel like you're not gaining anything practical from it, or that others don't like it. And I think that's a I think that's a really interesting part about guilty pleasures in the sense that there's so many reasons for it being guilty, quote unquote. And as we've discussed, there's been so many, like, so many different ways that we can, I guess, measure the guilt level, or not even measure, but trace the source of its guilt. Right. Right. But yeah, like watching TV is my like, you know, stupid thing. And I never really watch too much of it. But whenever I do, I kind of just feel like, man, so many people around me are, like working really hard. And yeah. I'm watching a 20 minute episode of Futurama, like, because why not? You know? You kind of get the sense of like, Instead of spending 20 minutes watching a show, you could be spending 20 minutes bettering yourself in some other way, whether it's like a skill or like working out or something, right? Yeah, exactly. I get that sometimes. And so to kind of paint another picture too, I think it's really easy to take your like non-guilty pleasures, just your pleasures and uh, well, just your regular things that could be like your pleasures. So like things you take solace in doing, I I treat those like, you know, going to the gym or Mm -hmm. reading. Those should be like, you know, nice things to do. But oftentimes, if you put too much emphasis on them as ways to develop yourself, they kind of become, I guess, sources of anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think of that where sometimes I really don't want to run on a certain day, but I know that it's good for me and that I should get out. And especially during this sort of time where we're stuck inside for a majority of the day, you want to be like some sort of active. It helps you mentally. It does a lot of things for you. But oftentimes I'll get on, I'll get on the trail for my run. I'll be like, Nope. Like, I really don't want to do this today. And I, and I just, you know, I feel like I have to do this so that I don't feel guilty about it later. Yeah. Right. Do you ever feel that way about like working out? Oh yeah. All the time. Specifically, I think that's something that applies to active and healthy people because after you've developed a workout routine or like a health routine and you really get into it, yeah, you want to stay on track with it as much as possible because you know, that the effort that you're always putting in is always continually making you better physically. And there's no downsides to it, really, aside from the whole anxiety thing, which is, you know, what we're talking about now. Yeah. But like, yeah, for me specifically, I always get like nowadays, like you said, since we're stuck inside all the time, um, I personally haven't been able to go to the gym just because I'm choosing not to to prevent like yeah. minimizing contact as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm also getting a sense of like, I'm not able to work out nearly as hard as I can at home yeah. compared to going to the gym, which is totally true just because of I don't have as much gear here as I would have access to at a regular gym. And that's kind of giving me a sense of, okay, well, now I'm not working as hard. So that means I'm like losing my fitness. And it's something that like I'm struggling with and probably will be until things get normalized and we can actually start going out again, um, hopefully very soon. But yeah, that's like, that's something I've always struggled with in my health journey. Even when things were normal, I don't know, back in like college, if I took a day off and broke my like every other day schedule of going to work out, I'd be like, man, I got to make up for it later. 
And if I missed too many days in a row, I would think now I have to work out like four days in a row and it'd start to be like, oh, and it'd, it'd pile on and pile on. And then I'd start to be like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And yep. then yeah. at that point, you're just off the deep end and you're just negatively impacting your mindset. And at that point, your body too, because now you're not even putting in the work to actually be physical at all. Yeah. And I think that really rolls over onto different types of efforts too. It doesn't even have to be working out. As I found as a teacher, you can really make a lot of parallels with working out or doing something physical on a regular basis with the type of regular work you do. I was thinking that it was the same way for piano when I was playing and when I was practicing as much as I could, you know, trying to get in as many practice hours as I could. If I didn't reach a certain quota, I always felt like I was, you know, wasting something or that I was actively depreciating, you know, like, and so those are the types of things where, I think thinking about guilty pleasures as they stand in your life in terms of relevance is really important. And it's because of the sort of like way guilty pleasures interact psychologically with you. And mm-hmm. why, and you know, we've been taking this whole conversation and talking about the psychological implications of guilty pleasures, why we consider them guilty, how we can source them through whatever reference points or through whatever like ideas that we have about our goals. But I think that guilty pleasures are a really interesting aspect of like social living and being a human because of that inherent psychology behind it, mm-hmm. right? We think about it as if we're not supposed to be doing something this uh, like this. And I think that's really at the heart of it is that the guilty pleasure is really centered on guilty. And something that we talked about earlier was the sense that we've really shed the idea of it being guilty for things just being kind of pleasures, right? These are my hobbies and Mm -hmm. these are things that I like. But I still think that the essence of the guilty pleasure kind of remains in certain types of activities. And the pandemic has been like one big catalyst for these types of questions. Because when you do things at home and you can't go out and do anything else, what are you supposed to do? Right. Right? And it makes you reevaluate, are these things really quite as guilty as they really need to be? I think TV has been one of those things. And, and it doesn't even have to be Futurama at this point. I have uh, I have a few friends with whom I'll watch TV, and we'll we'll just get on Zoom, get on something, and we'll turn on a TV show together. And so this could be considered a guilty pleasure, right? We're taking time and we're utilizing it for just consumption of some sort of like thing, and we're not applying it anywhere else. We're not practically making ourselves any more like competitive or we're not bringing ourselves closer to our goals, but we're engaging in a sort of like a sort of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And by doing this sort of thing on a very regular basis, I've sort of found that it's actually really important that we do this sort of thing, especially when you know we're lacking all of this real social interaction or on a day-to-day basis. And so just like going in and doing something like that together really turns the guiltiness away from it to being something kind of useful, right? right? Kind of something that fills a void that we don't get anymore. Uh, The psychological aspect of the guilty pleasure is really quite an intriguing thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because now that I think about it more, I'm going back and analyzing my attitude towards the things that I do on a daily basis and kind of thinking about how I perceive my, I guess, returns from doing those things. Like I said before, like the whole gaming thing, um, actually, this is kind of recent too. With the pandemic thing again, um, since I haven't been able to spend as much time being active outside, I've decided to try to like better myself in other ways. So mm-hmm. it was like learning something. I, I like to, I generally like to learn things and 
pick up a new skill here and there. But sometimes I feel like with me being stuck inside so much, if I like have a long gaming session, I go, man, I could have spent that time more and focused on learning a different skill. Yeah. And I'm trying to get rid of that because, you know, like you said, with the whole uh, you and your Zoom calls with your friends and watching yeah. TVs, you can totally spin it and do a good thing. Like, yeah. I guess in this situation, I'm thinking of it as, well, gaming is kind of being more, uh, is being adopted by more people. Uh, maybe because I have more experience in it now, I could turn this into a positive experience instead and maybe invite friends over uh, via like Discord or something and teach them the ropes of it because yeah. now I know about uh, like how to play the game or whatever. And then I'll feel less bad about doing it so much and like spending so much time. And instead of viewing it as a guilty pleasure, maybe I should view it as a skill or yeah, like, like a, a different skill that I have instead of it like separating it from being a good skill just into a, a different skill or, yeah. or an activity. Yeah. And honestly, that's a really good way of thinking about it too. Like we're not really using a guilty pleasure in a sense that, you know, now we're actually developing a skill. And I think it's filling that thing we need where it's like, you can turn something like that, which kind of gets the stereotype of not being very useful, uh, turning that into a very useful, like means of socializing. Right. Mm -hmm. I think even what we have. So like every so often, like I'll come over and you know, we'll just play, we'll play video games. Yeah. And video games for me is one of those guilty pleasures too. It's like, you know, I don't normally play video games. For me, it's like, it's hard for me to sit and do it when I know I just have things to do, like mountains of other things that I have to do. Mm -hmm. And so it really is guilty in the sense that I'm like actively putting off other things that I could be doing right now. And, and, and I'm doing something else that I really like. And I think just being in the same vicinity, we're not even playing the same game sometimes. Yeah. We're, playing, uh, we're just playing video games on separate consoles in the same room. Yeah. And even that is just like one of those things that's like, it's good for us. And it's a guilty pleasure, but it's, a, it's really a very useful and necessary thing for us to do. Right. Right. Like, I, like we need to socialize. And uh, as people who have had, like, who've been inside for so long, that's a good, that's a positive thing. It's the same thing with like, uh, you've probably had friends, we're like that too, where you can sit in a room and you just sit on your phone mm -hmm. and like maybe you show each other like a thing yeah. or maybe you'll meme together and that's just like, that's it. You don't have to do anything yeah, else yeah. and that's kind of like a guilty pleasure and it's nice because you're doing it with somebody else. Right. My sister and I would do that when she was here before she moved, we would just kind of sit and we'd meme together and I'd be like, check this out. And then she'd be like, check this out. And, and like we do that for like an hour or two hours. And, you know, you can feel as guilty as you want about it. But I think ultimately that's a positive sort of thing. Yeah, because in, in one frame of reference, you would say these are two people who are wasting their time just showing each other memes. But from a different frame of reference, these are two siblings who are bonding together and spending time with each other. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so I guess it really does. It really does come down to like your frame of reference and the type of people who are like are judging this sort of thing. Right, right, right. If you think of the person who's continuously working, then even what we're doing now, like this is a waste of time, yeah. right? But if you think of it as people who are like enthusiasts of the of this sort of thing, or, or who, chronicling who, our, our life events. Right, right, who are getting ready to write the biographies that we've got, or who are just people who like listening to podcasts. It's like, this is the cool thing that people want to do. Yeah. How many people do you know want to start a podcast? I actually recently talked to right? a friend who I hadn't spoken to in a while, but... There was an opportunity. She was like, "Hey, does anybody have uh, like suggestions on starting podcasts?" I was like, "Opportunity." Here's it. It's yeah, right. Yeah. Or even like with my brother. My brother, you know, was telling me about this idea we had, like this new podcast. Yeah. Like, there's so many things to talk about. Right. And like, 
even this bantering, like the socializing and communicating is just not useful time, but it's good for us. Yeah. And so I think guilty is such a like relative point at this time, mm-hmm. especially nowadays, because, uh, and maybe we're overanalyzing it, right. but also like, why does anything have to be like super guilty anymore? Especially when you consider it like a very necessary thing to keep you going, mm-hmm. to keep you from becoming too strict. Now uh, to consider the opposite point, there are also guilty pleasures that can kind of turn into other things, which makes them a little bit more guilty. I think TV and video games and things like that have the potential to make themselves like a bad habit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that also like kind of adds to its level of being a guilty pleasure, right? When you watch TV, there's a sense that like it's really easy to just sit and watch TV for a long time. Now, if you do that once a week, is that a bad thing? Probably not. But if you did that every day, that's probably not a good thing. And that sort of borders on bad habits and, and not really on guilty pleasures. But I think that like, one of the essences of guilty pleasures is that sort of potential to move into something not very useful mm-hmm. on a large scale, like a bad habit. Like gaming is one of those things where it has lots of good uses. It connects lots of communities together, provides like a, a point of expressivity for authors and storytellers mm-hmm. and musicians and people who want to develop something like this to create an experience for people who like to experience that. But also, it can become a bad habit in the sense that you put off other things too. So I think that propensity to be a bad habit adds to the level of it being a guilty pleasure. Right. And that's also why food can kind of be considered that too. Right, it's like what you said before. A food being a guilty pleasure is only so guilty in as much as you're not eating it every day, right? If you're eating uh, ice cream every day, how much of that is a guilty pleasure and how much of that is just your diet, right? right? And so I, I think that provides like a, an interesting point or a perspective on why it's really a little bit guiltier. It's twofold. It's kind of like, you know, you're not supposed to be doing this, but also there's a propensity for it to become a bad habit. Right. And I think that's where it differs from other types of hobbies or pleasures like running, Running has less propensity to become a bad habit because if you continue to do it, it only makes you healthier, Mm -hmm. right? Or working out. If you work out a lot, the negatives don't outweigh the positives of doing it regularly. Or reading. Reading is one of those things too where if you read a lot, you probably will glean a lot more information from it. And so I think that's an important point to make about, you know, these sorts of things where it's how much they can be uh, manipulated into just bad habits and bad lifestyle decisions. Yeah, and so it basically hinges on the individual's ability to, I guess, monitor how much they're indulging themselves in that quote-unquote guilty pleasure, right? Before letting yourself tumble down the hill that inevitably becomes a bad habit, make sure that you have the ability to pull yourself back and limit how much you're doing the guilty pleasure so that it doesn't become that bad habit. And like you said, that's just very thin line that people have to walk on depending on, you know, the thing that they're doing. Um, have you ever had a guilty pleasure become a bad habit? That rolled into a bad habit? Yeah. Uh, I'd say during college for some, not, not a long time, but I guess partying at some point, because before I would only like occasionally go to parties, but there was a period of time where I was going to parties like every weekend and it started to impact um, like schoolwork because yeah. I wasn't, I was putting that aside and in favor of hanging out with people. Yeah. So that, that's definitely an occasion where something that I would occasionally partake in ended up being much more of a problem later on. Luckily, I saw that was happening down the line, and I caught it before it got really bad, um, just because you know I was mindful. But some people, unfortunately, aren't aware of that enough or don't have 
a third party to tell them, hey, you know, this is becoming an issue. And then, you know, to give them that intervention to tell them to back off of it a little bit. Did you, I don't know. Did you ever have a, yeah, a thing I, like I that? I had plenty and I still do. And I think that's one of the most important things to remember is like you can kind of have your heads like screwed on straight and still have these things just become bad habits. I, I think there's been a few that have been guilty pleasures and then just turn into bad things. Like when I was younger, especially in my younger undergraduate stage, when I was like, you know, I was living on my own and I was having a good time and I was like, I'm my own master, right? A lot of it dealt with food. A lot of it dealt with TV. So for instance, like my guilty pleasure was like, I'm going to watch House of Cards and I'm going to really enjoy this. And then House of Cards turned into, okay, I'm going to watch Narcos. Okay, I'm going to watch Mr. Robot. Mm. And then all of a sudden I'm watching TV shows in like one week. TV shows with five seasons, and I'm going through them like fucking mad and just watching it because I'm addicted, right? Right. And, and so that's one of those things where it's like, man, I, like, I shouldn't be doing this all the time, but I'm stuck because I really like doing it, and I'm shirking responsibility. Or Food is another one, too. And, and I deal with this even now, where it's like, <laughs> damn, man, it's sweets again. It's like, I, <laughs> I, like, I keep like chocolates in the house, yeah. like dark chocolate. And, so, and like... Sometimes, you know, I have a really strict regiment of eating the same thing every morning for breakfast. And some days I'll be like, you know what? I uh, worked hard yesterday. I ran a lot. I'm going to have a piece of, I'm going to have like two pieces of chocolate. Ooh, ooh wow. And then, yeah. And then the next day I'm going to be like, you know, I worked hard yesterday too. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing this. Devilish. And, and it kind of just like, kind of rolls into just like, this is now part of my routine. Like, yeah. and I mean, that's minuscule, right? That's like, chocolate's not going to kill me. Yeah. Like, especially if I'm like, you know, I'm pretty active. I run a lot. And like, that's not going to be my downfall. But like, you know, it's really good. Or even eating out. I love eating out. And I love going and getting like, like a nice sandwich, <laughs> like, you know, pressed sandwich yeah. or like lots of fries. And like, if I do that too much, it's just going to become like a bad habit for me. It's going to be like, why am I not doing this yeah, more yeah. often? So I, I think that these are pretty prevalent in the sense that like, we want to take the easy way in a lot of instances. And we want to continue to feel good about these things. And what gives these things their sort of guilty pleasure thing is not the sense that they're like nice and enjoyable on front, but that we can't do it all the time. Right. Right. That sort of scarcity is really important. Like if you don't do something all the time, it becomes a lot more valuable when you get to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why like I've been trying to like control my watching of like of not serious television or not serious movies. Okay. For me, like in taking movie like shows like the Sopranos or Breaking Bad is not really a that's not really a guilty pleasure for me because it's like I get a lot of like exposure to some really great ideas. What always follows with me is like analysis and I love analysis. So that's like a fun thing for me. But so like Futurama is one of them or or Always Sunny is another one, right? Where I'll only watch one episode and then I'll stop, I'll think about things I have to do and I'll just work. And so I don't allow it to roll over into other things. Mm-hmm. And so it, again, becomes like a bit of self-control. But I think that it's just a lot easier to, to roll into those bad habits than it is otherwise to not, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you don't want it to end up becoming like a positive feedback loop where then you're justifying it and then it just Bro, continues to roll in. I'm such an enabler. I think that's my <laughs> biggest issue. Dude, I'm such an enabler. Like um, For yourself? For myself and for others. Like I've, I've had friends text me like, JP, like I want to do this but I don't feel like I should. Can you tell me that I should do this? And I'd be like, yo, you need to do this because of these reasons. Ooh. And they're always, they're always really self-serving reasons. And maybe sometimes I'm right. But also, like, <laughs> it's so easy to enable things like that. You're just the guy. I'm the guy. To tell them, you're the devil on somebody's shoulder. It's oh, a, just do it. 
I take pride in that. That's a good. That's a big compliment. I want to be that guy. What if you? One of your friends calls you like, "Hey, dude, I got this guy in my trunk and a really heavy sledgehammer. Should I? Should I swing it at him? Will you? Will you tell him to? I mean, why am I going to law school? Okay, it's you heard answer, it. it's to answer questions like this. <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. If you have a question, <laughs> if you're morally questioning yourself whether or not you should commit this crime, contact JP. He will I, let you know whether you should or should not. I want people to think of me, and this is something that you'll get when you watch Breaking Bad. I want people to think of me as a Saul Goodman type character. You know, like kind of questionable moral ethic, but will enable you to do things you want. See, you're you're not there to tell them no. You're there to tell them yes, but here are the consequences of yeah. what's going to happen yeah. when you do it. I'm the guy that's going to be like, gotcha. yeah, I'll make this happen for you. As long as it doesn't hurt me, but also you might do that. It might get this. You're you're the guy who's taking the guilty part away from the guilty pleasure. You're just yeah. you're the pleasure enabler. Hello, that's Got me. It. That's gotcha. gonna be me on a billboard one day. John Paul, the pleasure enabler, which is gonna be misconstrued in a lot of different ways. <laughs> yeah, people aren't gonna be able to tell if that's like an adult toy store or a law firm. It's gonna be one of those things where it's like for a good time, call this number. <laughs> it's written on like the inside of a stall with like yeah. your phone number and a business card like duct taped to it. That's hilarious. I'll oh, write that down. We should um we should do uh shout outs. We didn't do our shout outs. That's right, that's right. Bus. Shout out to you for being an enabler. <laughs> One on topic with that could be um, like shout out to all the people who normalize the things that would otherwise be considered guilty pleasures. Like we said earlier, the people who like normalized comic books with the MCU. Yeah, I guess a large yeah. part in that is because those were people that weren't always seen as nerdy or otherwise didn't have that stigma around them. So yeah. because they were just another normal person, like uh, a lot of times you'll see like. NBA players or other huge sports stars are into video games or anime or something. You mean like uh, what's his name into league? He's in Gordon Boston. Hayward, I think, was also Gordon in the Hayward. League. That's who it is. Yeah, yeah, but yeah like those those people who can normalize it for the people who would otherwise be too embarrassed to admit that they indulge in this guilty pleasure. Shout out to those people. You guys are you guys are doing good for everyone else. Real heroes. Yeah, I think for me, shout outs got to go to like shows like uh, like Ace of Cakes. Or even like Cake Boss or shows like on the on the Food Network as a as sort of like a metaphor or as an analogy or as a generalization of like, you know, all those shows that gave me the idea that I could do something and mm. that I even with surrounding stereotypes, it's like, oh, yeah, you could do that. That's, of course, super cool. Like you do what you want to do. And I think that's kind of like the, the, the heart of all of this is like just do what you want, uh, you know, within reason, naturally, yeah, yeah. like you don't don't go crazy with something. Don't let a guilty pleasure turn into a bad habit. But also, like, you know, if you like something, if you like 80s music, like your 80s music. If you don't like it, then fuck you. But also, you have the, you reserve the right to not like it. So I think that's one of the best things is, like, those types of things, those shows or those instances where you thought, I like this, I'm so happy that they're doing it because it shows that I can do this too, right? Mm -hmm. It's along the same lines as, like, those people who made liking comic books and liking the MCU, like, on a large scale, made them really cool and made it less like stereotypically uncool to do those sorts of mm. things, right? And so that's like at the heart of it. Secondary shout out goes to uh, Oreos because I got their Brookie Oreos recently, and holy shit, they're really good. What what's these these new ones? It's so it's an Oreo, and then inside of it, it's cookie dough and brownie together. Yeah, it's called. That a sounds brookie. pretty dangerous. It's a Brookie. Yeah, it's really. good. I might need to get my hands on those then. So. My agreement with myself is that I'm only going to allow myself to eat those like every so often. 
And it's when I get home late from work. Like mm. if I get home at nine or nine thirty after working, and I'm like, okay, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm imagining you like sitting in the driveway, looking at your clock in your car, being like, come on, nine twenty nine, nine thirty. Okay, it's time to go. Opens up like a small <laughs> yeah. compartment. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the Patrick. Oh boy, three a.m. I mean, that's just, it's essentially that. <laughs> so I allow myself to do that, and then I don't allow myself to buy any more of the other flavors because they got like carrot cake. Carrot cake Oreos? Yeah, dude. They've got carrot cake. They've got PB&J Oreos. That that one sounds good. This is more of just a curiosity for me at this Mm -hmm. point. It's not really much of a hobby, but like (laughs) this is an example of me controlling the guilty pleasure. there you go. Maintaining the guilt. You're a shining example, a true pillar of the community. Exactly. Laud (laughs) upon me all of the greatness that I deserve. A bastion of strength. Mm. Who should we throw under the bus? We we got to do that. We need to throw people under the bus. You first. Okay scalpers of anything that other people want fuck you wow so what's the what's behind that for me right now specifically it's the computer part market (laughs) i'm i'm so angry been trying to get myself a gpu for a very long time as are many other people but all these people with bots and shit are buying all their all the parts that everyone else would otherwise only have one of just to make their own computer, and they're all instead using it to upsell quickly for a quick buck and for mining and stuff. And fuck those people, I hate you. Uh, so a little bit of context on this situation, uh, we've we've been like you know hanging out since like what January December, yeah. And and uh, Aaron's been talking about getting new parts for his computer since then. It's now currently March. It's even been longer than that, man. Like, yeah, you're right. Oh God, this is uh, at the point of when we're recording is like the peak of how awful the computer market has been. Normally, people say there is never a worse time to buy things than now, but that is actually true this time. Yeah, everything is fucked. So if by the next time we're recording an episode and I haven't gotten the the parts that I want and built my new computer, uh, computer market's still fucked. <laughs> so, yeah. Odds of that being actually still fucked by the time we do another one? Depending on how long we take to record the next episode, close to 100%. <laughs> Considering our average rate of episode <laughs> is really... It's like four balloon. months. Yep. But yeah, it's so bad at that point, I wouldn't even doubt it. <laughs> I'm, I'm being 100% honest here. Let's not do that. We've yeah. got good ideas. Mm-hmm. we got to keep doing this. Who are you throwing under the bus uh, this time? Who or what? Let's see. What am I just generally enraged about nowadays? I like this because I can. it's like a good space to vent, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like... It's our little psychology session. Right, right. It's like we're going to enforce positivity and then we're going to rage. Yeah. You know, like, um, let's see. What I got to rage at, man? I haven't been super rageful as of late. Nothing so like really, really piss you off recently? No, nah, I haven't been really that mad about stuff in a while. And I, I, I attribute it almost exclusively to not having to drive so much. Mm. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know what I will throw under the bus? As I do every year, uh, St. Paddy's Day. Because it sucks. <laughs> it's just St. Paddy's Day is just like uh, a glorified excuse to drink a lot more. What a controversial but brave statement. Thank you. Actually, I wanted to say this about a lot of different things. So it's the same thing with like, you know, most Hallmark holidays. It's like, why do we need a fucking day to like, you know, like Valentine's Day? Why do we need a day to treat your significant other better? And maybe it's just like you're missing, you're like misunderstanding it. But yo, it's like, how about you just go out on date nights more often? Yeah. Right. How about we take away any sort of expectation about what valentine's day has to be and you just turn that into a fucking tuesday and then you and you go out and you like have a good time right why is not that's not like a normal normalized thing we do 
every time of the year. How like condescending is that? It's like, hey, sorry, honey, it's Valentine's Day, so I'm going to take you out uh, one 365th of the year, <laughs> right? And I, and naturally, that doesn't happen just one time a year. Right. But it's like, I don't like the sort of artificial, you know, we have to do something because it's fucking Valentine's Day. It's just a, uh, a way for people who don't normally do nice things to uh, feel less bad about themselves right. for it being could, able to do it on that one day. Could it be that? It could also just be like um, businesses making money off yeah, of like an artificial holiday. Mm. Now, if you treat your person nice all the time and, you, and this is just another day for you, kudos. Mm-hmm. And you're on the hype train <laughs> that runs over. Oh, damn it. People. Do I have yeah. to make a hype train <laughs> stinger now? Okay, well, I'll figure something out for that. <laughs> See, we are constantly evolving, and that's why you should also buy our stock. Yeah. Right? What are we? We're A-N-P. A-N-P, A-N-P buy yeah. us. Yeah. After Nothing Podcast, our stock is lower than Bitcoin when it started, Yeah. and it might stay that way. Mm-hmm. But you know what? When you invest in us you invest in coolness yeah that's the real gains you're getting from here your social status will increase along with uh your testosterone levels we're, <laughs> we're essentially snake oil salesmen <laughs> yeah but the snake oil is positivity yeah uh-huh. we're selling snake oil positivity to your endorphins right. if you want to live a better lifestyle listen to us make your guilty pleasures into regular pleasures yeah. Discard all of your Bitcoin, all your Ethereum. Take all your stock and GME out, and put it all into A and P, baby. We're going to the moon. <laughs> Diamond hands. Diamond hands <laughs> are running this. T- are running this gravy train, babies. Wow, we really hit the meme quota. Yeah. Like, in in a very short amount of time. That's all I got. I don't think I really have a whole lot else to. No, me too. That was good. Okay, we're gonna go now. <laughs> Bye and see you in like who knows how many months again. Maybe five, maybe four. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> gotta leave, gotta keep them on their feet. Yeah. This is one thing you should also keep, you should keep recording this. And then. It's still going. Maybe this could be bonus content. And maybe it can end right here. I'm just gonna cut it off at that point, maybe. Right now, actually. Or I'm still gonna keep recording. Dude, that's you know what's something that's kind of.